Well, hey, Seacoast, man, it has been so good worshiping together uh, with you today. Thank you for having us in your living room, for joining us today. Today's going to be a great, great day in church. Before I introduce our speaker today, I want to let you know that next weekend we kick off one of my favorite series of the entire year at the movies. Uh, We're going to do a three week series looking at a few different films and how they might apply to our lives today and what God might say through his word to us. Next week, I'm starting us off with Remember the Titans, one of my favorite movies of all time. And we're going to talk about leadership. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. The thing about at the movies is you can't catch it on rebroadcast because of copyright issues. So you've got to watch it during one of our scheduled service times. So make sure you make that a priority next week. Today, we're wrapping up with week three of one of the most important series I believe that we've ever done called Undivided. Uh, There's 28 other churches across South Carolina that are doing this series with us, all looking into this issue of division, unity, the cultural moment that we're in right now, justice. How do we handle that as a church? How do we lead the conversation as, as Christ followers in this moment? And, you know, when we thought about how we could wrap up the series, we're bringing in the closer. We're bringing in one of our dear friends. I don't have to introduce Christine to you because she is a part of our family. She's been a part of our church for up, up, about 10 years now that she's been speaking here. She's a very dear friend of Lisa and I's, and she's been involved in the issue of justice for a long time. In fact, 13 years ago, she founded the A21 campaign where they are fighting the fight against human trafficking. And uh, we've been in pandemic. We've been in quarantine. Maybe some people have slowed down, but they have not. In fact, 10 out of the last 12 days, they've rescued 10 girls in the last 12 days. And it's just amazing the work that they do. We're honored to be a partner with that here at Seacoast. And so what I want you to do is I want you to make her feel welcome. I want you to preach back at her in the chat. You know, Christine, when she's here, we're all preaching back at her. So preach back at her in the chat. Let's welcome her as she joins us. Would you welcome Christine Kane as she comes? Hey, hello Seacoast. I am so, so thrilled to be with you this weekend. Thanks, Pastor Josh. You know, Nick and I uh, so deeply love your pastors. Pastor Josh and Lisa are, are personal friends of ours. They're the kind of people that we actually by choice would go on vacation with and we do. And so we love them so dearly. You are so blessed to be planted in such a a great house. Now I'm here in your house and in your home as well. I've always wanted to come to your home and that's where I am today. Some of you I know, you're still in your pajamas, you're sipping a cup of tea and you're having church. Others of you, you've gotten dressed up and you're sitting in your living room and you're ready to have church. Some of you, you're on the treadmill. Well, here's some good news for you as you're watching today. Um, You're about to run faster than you've ever run because I'm both Greek and a woman. So I only speak three ways, hard, fast and continuously. So you're going to find yourself running and running. And if you all think I've got an accent, no, no, I'm your cray cray Aussie aunt. This is how we speak the Queen's English uh, in the colonies. And you'll hear, especially in Charleston, have got the accent. I find any excuse I can to come to your beautiful city, eat in your beautiful restaurants is awesome. And I always love coming to this house and being just part of the teaching team. I'll have you know, I think I inadvertently invited myself to close this series. When I heard that um, Pastor Josh was going to do this series, I was so thrilled. And this scripture that we're basing the whole series on, the book of Micah, is so much one of the foundational scriptures of my life. When we started the A21 campaign uh, 13 years ago, we actually started, but it's been 15 years since it was in my heart. And I started this scripture from the book of Micah was one of the very foundational scriptures that 
that we started with. Now, during this whole pandemic, you know, this is the 18th week um, that we've been having church online around the world, certainly in my church. So I know what it's like to be on the other side of the screen because that's where I've been every week, just like you, um, to be engaged in it. But I'll tell you one thing with our work with A21, it has not slowed down. Pastor Joshua was so right that we have seen an incredible amount of people rescued at just, you know, 10 in the last 12 days. There's been 91 in the season before that, because I'll tell you the one thing that doesn't stop during a global pandemic. And that would be global injustice. Injustice continues to prevail during a pandemic. Traffickers are still trafficking people. Uh, people are still trapped in slavery around the world. So I want to thank you, Seacoast, because from day one, you have been incredible partners to helping us both get A21 off the ground and continuing our work to reach, to rescue, and to restore the victims of human trafficking around the world. So I want you to know, everyone that is rescued, everyone that is restored, that is fruit that is accounted to you because part of your mission's giving has been to enable the work of A21 to go forward. So I want to thank you for that. And it's out of that heartbeat that our whole Undivided series has been founded on. I thank God that we are part of a church that cares about justice, not just when things are highlighted, but when things are not highlighted and, you know, we began rescuing the victims of human trafficking when nobody was talking about it and you guys jumped on board from day one and have been part of the behind the scenes work and we're seeing great fruit for that. So we're looking at the book of Micah today. We're going to jump into the word. In the book of Micah 6 verse 8, the Bible says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? I loved it. You know, when Pastor Josh started this, I thought, this is so simple. You know, Christianity is not complex. It's not easy. It's actually simple. But a lot of us don't do what is simple. He says, what does the Lord require of you? It's, it's simple. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. God does not overcomplicate things. People do, but God doesn't. He says, this is what it all boils down to. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Now, of course, week one, Pastor Josh taught us. He started with flipping over tables. You know, I wanted to bring a whole lot of sermon illustrations because he was flipping over tables. And of course, as any good preacher, he had his alliteration down pat. You would remember he talked about flipping over the table of prejudice, of pride, of our past of our perspective. I found that so powerful. And then, of course, Pastor Scott last week preached the house down and um, I was locked in and I was logged on and I got so stirred and inspired as he taught to us from the parable of the Good Samaritan. And today I am going to finish up our series and talk about what is it? What is it to walk humbly with our God? We've talked about doing justice and doing and acting justly. We've talked about loving mercy. What is it to say, Lord, have mercy on my heart, on my head, in my hands? What does it mean? Do you notice the guys are all the alliteration girls? I'm not going to have any alliteration today. I'm going to free us from that. But we're going to talk about what it is to walk humbly with our God. So, you know, you would think it's simple. Love justice. Do mercy walk humbly, but looking at all of the chaos, looking at all of the division, looking at all of the pain, looking at all of the injustice around the world today and throughout history. And the church has been on the earth for 2,000 years plus. And so the fact was, if this was easy to do, we would be a lot further in having it done than where we are right now. So it's not easy. It's simple but not easy. Walking humbly with God sounds simple, but it's not an easy thing to do. Now, walking, 
walking. It seems so simple. Why would this scripture say, walk humbly with God? I'll tell you one thing I've been doing uh, since the quarantine has set in. I have been doing a lot of walking. Um, I live near the beach, so I've been walking miles and miles along the beach. Um, I live in Southern California, so I've got lots of mountains. And I'll have you know, last week alone, I, I climbed Mount San Jacinto. It's 10,800 feet. I walked 4,000 feet of elevation. And if you know me at all, you know I hate snakes. And the last three walks I've been on, and I've done now Mount Baldy, I've done some of the big mountains in Southern California. Every time, it's like somebody feels compelled of the Lord to say to me, just as I'm coming into the last round to get up to the summit, someone says, there's a huge rattlesnake up there. And I am, this has happened three times in a row. You cannot make this stuff up. I'm like frozen, waiting and thinking, am I going to take the next step? Now, I've been walking through some beautiful rivers and I've seen waterfalls and I've seen the beautiful trees and beautiful animals. I mean, there was a mountain lion out there, was deer out last week. It was beautiful. But rattlesnakes are not beautiful. And Southern California in the summer has got a whole lot of them. So sometimes the walk is beautiful. Sometimes the walk is terrifying. But I was not, I said, no, not today, Satan. I kept, I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm telling you, then I started running. So I've got to tell you that I hate snakes, but I still did not stop my walk. I thought I have not come this far to stop. I am going to keep walking. I am going to summit. If you follow me on Instagram, you would see that I put all my pictures of my summits up there because I want you to know that I have walked 4,000 feet of elevation, that I'm at 10,800 feet. And yes, at 54 years old, I want the world to know. I hope that during this quarantine that you've been walking. Now I walk with a hiking buddy that is absolutely brilliant. Her name is Dawn. Now she does things like she uh, runs, you know, does a hundred day marathons back to back, like nonstop. She's one of those people that just uh, runs and she does, you know, triathlons and she is a better walker than I am. When I walk with her, I walk better than I ever would on my own. I walk faster than I ever would on my own. When I walk with her, because she's such an experienced hiker, she's able to point out, she's the one that pointed out, she goes, Chris, look, there's a deer there. Did you hear that over there? There's a mountain lion there. Chris, let's pause. I saw, she sees things that I don't see. She hears things that I don't see. She points things out to me that I haven't seen. And see, that's why I think the Lord says, I want to walk with you because when you're walking with me, you're going to see things you don't see. You're going to hear things you don't hear. You're going to pay attention to things you haven't paid attention to. When you're walking with someone, it denotes intimacy. It's so different to running. It's so different to any other sport because you're walking. There's a cadence. You stay in step. Dawn and I have very intimate conversations as we walk up these mountains, as we walk through the rivers, as I run past some snakes. As we do all of that, there's an intimacy that develops. There's a camaraderie that develops. There's a sense of pointing things out to one another. There's something that happens when you walk together. And that's why this scripture says, I want you to walk humbly with God, not run ahead of God, not stand behind God, not sit in place. There's actually a walking that happens this side of eternity. There's an engagement in life. There's an engagement in society. There's something that we do. The use of the word walk is intentional and it demonstrates an intimacy with God, learning to see what He sees, learning 
to do what He does. Learning to care for what He cares for. Learning to go where He goes. Learning to pay attention to what He pays attention to. God is obsessed with walking. I can prove this to you from Scripture. From Genesis through to Revelation, we see that God is a God that loves to walk. Now, some of you are getting convicted right now because you're watching this and you're still in your pyjamas and you've been thinking during quarantine, man, I've got to exercise. Well, this is, take this, thus saith the Lord. It's time to getteth uppeth, not right now, at the end of the sermon, and to go for a walk because you're going to see right from the book of Genesis that God loves to walk. We see here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. Can you believe that? God walked in the Garden of Eden. Right there at the outset of creation, God says, I, I love to walk. Walk denotes intimacy. Walk denotes close proximity, walking with God, not just learning about God, not just running ahead of God, not just kind of walking on my own path, but there is an intimacy. There's a proximity that comes with walking. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, the Bible says, Enoch walked with God after he had fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Man, 300 years, but he walked with God. I love that about Enoch. He, he walked with God and one day he was there and then he just wasn't. Uh, what a way to go. That's what I'm thinking. If I go, that's how I want to go. But Enoch walked with God. Noah, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says there, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Scripture is picking up a theme saying there is something about walking with the witness of God and walking with God. Now, of course, we know in the New Testament, Jesus walked everywhere. Now, some of you, you're listening to me and you're going, Chris, that's because there was no aeroplanes and there was no cars and there were no motorbikes and there were no trains. So Jesus had to walk everywhere. Okay, granted, but he walked everywhere. His disciples walked with him. There was a proximity. There was an intimacy. There's something about walking. I know I'm laboring this point, but Scripture says walk humbly with God. I'm laboring the point because church, I want to say that you cannot do act justly. You will not over the long term love mercy unless you learn daily to walk intimately with God. I've been involved in the work of justice for many, many years, even before age 21. When I first started in ministry, I was 22 years old and we started a community-based youth center helping at-risk young people where I was working in that portion of Sydney, Australia. So really from 22, I'm going to be 54 next month. So please make sure that you send me gifts. You can send them here to the church and Pastor Josh and Lisa will send them to me. I love gifts, especially um, coffee cards. So please feel free to do that. But I'm going to be 54. That means I've been walking with the Lord for 32 years doing the work of justice. Now, the fact that I am still full of faith, full of life, full of joy, full of peace, full of hope, full of passion, love the house of God, love the presence of God, love worshipping God and truly believe that the local church is the hope of the world and can make a difference out there in the world. It doesn't come because I've been an activist out there just going for it for the last 30 odd years. It's come because I've learned to walk intimately with God. See, the minute I separate myself from walking with God, from having time in His Word every day, 
from being logged into church in this season every week, being connected through small groups, worshipping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The minute that I stop walking intimately with Him every day, then my internal heart priorities shift and I will not truly be able to love mercy from a pure biblical perspective or act justly from a pure biblical perspective. I'll get caught up with my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own agendas rather than the heart of God. As I do this work of justice and have been involved in the front lines for three decades, I want it to come out of a heart that beats for what God's heart beats for. And I can only do that when I'm walking humbly with Him. I can only do that when I'm truly planted in His house because those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they're going to flourish. And even in old age, and I'm getting there, they will continue to bear fruit, the Scripture says. So I'm seeing more fruit in this season of my life than I did in my 20s and in my 30s and in my 40s. Why? Because I've chosen to continue to walk intimately and humbly with my God. I want you to see in the scripture, it says in John chapter 8, verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we've got to be following Jesus in all our quest for justice and mercy. It comes out of walking with Jesus so that we stay in the light and that we don't step into darkness. So we don't get off track. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 to 6, and by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. So there is a correlation between acting justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with our God and being obedient to the Word of God. I'm going to show you that as this verse continues. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. You go, Chris, how do I know that I'm in Christ? Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that he walked. There is a direct correlation between being in Christ, walking with Christ and being obedient to Christ. If the work of justice takes us away from obedience to the Word of God, then it's no longer the work of justice. We must be rooted and grounded and abiding in Christ. And the Bible says that we would walk, again, there is that metaphor, it's throughout all of Scripture, that we would walk in the same way that He walked. See, Christianity is not just something that we do, just log on once a week or when church reopens, you know, come in and just do our obligatory religious service once a week. In order to be true Christianity, there is a direct correlation between our walk and our talk. What we believe, what we read in the Scripture and how we outwork that in a 24-hour day period, seven days a week, there is no separation. What you have, if you separate your walk from your talk, is cognitive dissonance. And the world looks at us from the outside and says, man, you know, you don't really believe what you're saying. You're not willing to live out what this Scripture says. But here from the Scripture, we see that to walk with Jesus is to live in a certain way. 
To walk with Jesus is to think in a certain way. To walk with Jesus is to act in a certain way. The fact is that our relationship with Jesus has practical ramifications in our everyday life. And how did Jesus walk? You see, Jesus is who our example is. It is amazing that in the world in which we live, we look at so many different people and things as our example. But my question today, Seacoast, to every one of us on the other side of the screen, is Jesus the one that we are following? Is Jesus the one that we are emulating? Is Jesus the one that we are truly walking with? And is all of our life, our words, our actions, our deeds, our social media posts, are they all reflecting the heart of Jesus? Are they all being done in the spirit of Jesus? That's what it is to walk with Him. We walk in truth. We walk in righteousness. There is a way that we walk as believers of Christ. We walk humbly with our God, but there is a walking. There is a cadence. There is a doing things the way that He does it. There is a doing things the way that is in alignment with His Word. And that is what ultimately is going to sustain our passion for being able to act justly and do mercy over the course of our life. Otherwise, I've been doing this for three decades. People come and people go. Causes rise and causes fall. And people just basically stay passionate as long as their emotion is in it or their own agenda is in it. And then as soon as something else happens or there's a change of life, they'll move on to something new. But if we want to make it our lifestyle, and that's what the prophet Micah says, this is what it's like to walk with Jesus over the course of your life. We do justly and we love mercy, not just when we feel like it, not just when suddenly it's highlighted, but we do it as a byproduct of our walk with Jesus. It is an outflow of who we are as we are walking with Him every day. Now, how does Jesus walk? The Scripture says that Jesus walked humbly. That is the posture that He had. The Bible says to us in, in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, I want you to know that as Christians, we don't walk arrogantly. As Christians, we don't walk proudly. As Christians, we don't walk contentiously. As Christians, we don't walk irreverently. So we need to examine ourselves and go, how in my fight for justice am I producing my, am I projecting myself to an outside world? How am I posting? What am I saying? My conversations at work, my conversations with my friends, are they full of love? Are they full of grace? Are they full of mercy? Are they full of patience? Are they full of goodness? Are they full of long suffering? Am I reflecting the fruit of the Spirit? Am I reflecting the character of God? The Bible says that Jesus walked humbly. There is a posture with which we walk as Christ followers. There ought to be something different in the way that we act justly and the way that we love mercy than the way that a non-believer does because we are rooted and grounded in the Scripture. We are filled with the Spirit of God and we bring into our world what our world needs. And in a world full of chaos, in a world full of division, in a world full of pain, in a world full of suffering, our world needs love. Our world needs joy. Our world needs peace. Our world needs needs goodness. Our world needs kindness. Our world needs long suffering. Our world needs self-control. And so if you and I are truly going to walk humbly with our God so that we can act justly and love mercy, then we must make sure that we are being fueled by the Spirit of God and the Word of God and not the Spirit of the age. 
And so scripture goes on in Philippians chapter two, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Church, I don't know if you are running laps right now in your living room, but I am ready to run around this building. I want you to remember that as we are living in the day in which we're living in, where there is so much pain, there is so much suffering, there is so much loss, there is so much grief, there is so much loneliness. We just look at 2020 and go, man, what has happened? I want you to know that there is a day coming where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. And He has sent us to this world to be His hands and His feet in the midst of such pain and such suffering and such brokenness. I want you to know that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. That God has given you the capacity to be a peacemaker in this day, to be able to do justice in this day, to be able to love mercy in this day and in this hour and to walk humbly with Him. That's a posture that says, You're God and I'm not. Because here is the deal. Our world is so out of control. We need divine intervention. We need it. I mean, I'm preaching everywhere I go. I'm saying we need a true old school revival. We need God to penetrate this planet. We need the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the love of God to penetrate this earth and to flow through us and to bring change. But unless you and I are willing to walk humbly with Him, willing to flip over some of those tables that Pastor Josh talked about, pride and prejudice and perspective and past, unless we're willing to say, Lord, have mercy on my heart, my heart, my hands, my head. Unless we're willing to start with us and that's the posture of humility that we get as we walk with Jesus. It says, you are God, entirely other to me. I am not. Our world is in such a cray-cray state that I can't work this out. No wonder the Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding or on social media. That's the Christine version. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. There we go again. Where are we going to walk next? We've got to be acknowledging Jesus. There's got to be this posture that says, you're God and I'm not. I'm not smart enough to work this stuff out. I I just, this is way beyond me. I don't have all of the answers, but you do, God. I don't have ultimate goodness and kindness, but you do, God. You have mercy. You have grace. You have goodness. You have kind. God, pour it out on this earth. There is this posture that says, you're God and I'm not. Now, when we say walk humbly with our God, some of you, I know I lost you because you're like, what do you mean? Because I think we have confused humility, especially in the Christian church, with this sense that, 
you've got to be a worm. Man, being humble means that I'm saying, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I'm just hopeless, I'm useless, I know nothing, I can do nothing. And for some of you, that just reinforces it. It's like, well, humility means I've just got to throw my hands in the air and say that I am unable to do anything. But that's not what I'm talking about. Um, Humility is not a synonym for low self-esteem. Now, there's a man in the Bible, Moses. None of us would think that he had a low self-esteem. I mean, this is the dude that went and talked to Pharaoh. This is the guy that saw the Red Sea part, that he saw manna come from heaven. He saw miracles and signs and wonders and led all of the Israelites out of bondage into freedom. He was bold. He was confident. There was nothing about him that sort of said, I am a worm. And this is what he wrote about himself in the book of Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now, Moses was a very humble man more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Gosh, I laugh. Imagine writing about yourself. Moses was a very humble man, more humble than any other man on the earth. Let me tell you why he was able to write that in the book of Numbers. Because by humility, it didn't mean I'm, 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 I'm depreciating myself. I don't have to make myself smaller to make God bigger. What it means is that He knew who God was and He knew who He was. That's what we're talking about. See, we live in an age, we live in a world, we live in a society where people think they are God. We have so many idols. People think their intellect, people think their ideology, people think their system, people think they don't need God because we're too smart for God. We know too much, we don't need God. People are doing what is right in their own eyes. They think they are God. Humility means, you know what? I know that He's God and I know that I'm not. And that is the divine tension of being a Christian, of knowing He is everything and I am nothing but in Him. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I'll tell you how we're gonna get through this season, this season where we just see so much injustice, so much going on with the racial conversation, so much going on with COVID-19. People have lost their jobs. People are sick. People are losing loved ones. Many of you are feeling lonely. You're like, hang on a minute. How are we going to get through this? You and I don't have to be overwhelmed like the rest of the world because humility means I know you're God and I know that I'm not, but I know that I am in you. And I am your daughter or I am your son. And I know that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Church, I wanna tell you today that humility is knowing who God is, but it's also knowing who you are in Him. Knowing that Jesus Christ is on your side, knowing that your God is good, your God does good, your God will work all things together for your good and for His glory. Knowing that in Him, I am a royal priesthood. You are a chosen nation. You are not a nobody. You are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and our God who defeated hell and death on that cross at Calvary. He can and has defeated all of the injustices of the world. You and I have the capacity through the power of the Holy Spirit of knowing who we are as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have the capacity to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Humility is not thinking less of myself like I am nothing. Humility is simply thinking of myself less. It just means that I'm not on my mind all the time. It just means I'm thinking about my neighbour more than myself. So during this season, particularly in our nation, it's going, I've got the humility 
of assuming a posture of listening, a posture of learning, a posture of understanding. Not everyone else's experience is like my experience. And how can I, as a follower of Jesus, love mercy, do justly? How can I, out of an outworking of my walking in intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ, how can I be part of the solution and not part of the problem? How can I be part of unifying this situation and building bridges? Because I know that God commands a blessing where there is unity. So I don't want to be part of the division. I don't want to be part of the chaos. I don't want to be part of the outrage or the anger. I want to be part of bringing peace, love, joy, doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with God. And out of that root of walking humbly with our God, is where we're able to do justice and where we're able to love mercy. And that posture of humility is not a posture of pulling out of this, sticking our head in the sand and hiding, but it's a posture of saying, I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am. And because I know who I am in Christ, I am going to be able to rise up in this hour and not be overwhelmed by this hour. I am going to be able to do justice to love mercy and to walk humbly with God in the midst of the chaos that is surrounding me. You're not here by accident. You and I are not a product of time, church. We're a product of eternity. When God looked at this world and He looked at America in 2020 and He saw everything that would be going on and He thought of all of the people that He created throughout all of eternity and all of history, He saw you. He plucked you out of eternity. He positioned you in this thing called time. The book of Acts says that God chooses the times and the seasons that He puts us in. He positioned you in time. He planted you in this house, in Seacoast. He planted you here. And He gave you gifts and talents for the purpose of serving your generation. We don't need to be overwhelmed. We don't need to run and hide. What we need to do is step up in this moment and say, I'm going to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. So during this season, man, when I don't even know what to think, I might come off social media a little bit so that I can walk more intimately with Jesus. So I can hear Jesus better. So I can fellowship with Him through His Word, be in His presence so that I can walk closer to Him more than ever, so I can see what He sees and He can point things out to me, so that He can help me walk according to His cadence, to His rhythm, in His step. There is this intimacy that God is asking from us in this hour, church. Basically, we're all in timeout still. We're all still in our homes. It's not an accident. It's not because God's fallen off the throne and forgotten us. He's well aware of what's going on. He's saying, in this season, will you walk with me? Will you walk intimately with me? Will you walk humbly with me? Not where I'm going to squash you so you feel like you're a loser and you're nothing and you've done everything wrong. That is not the God that we serve. But so that I can show you who you are as my son, as my daughter, as my child. So I can show you what you have in me. You have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. I want to show you what you've got. I want to show you who you are. I want to strengthen you because from that place of strength, from that place of love, 
from that place of grace, from that place of mercy, from that place of acceptance, from that place of inclusion, then you and I, as followers of Christ, that walk humbly with our God, we are then able to do justly and to love mercy and to bring peace and unity into a divided world. May that be what all of us desire in Jesus' name.